Welcome to Reframing Our Stories. This podcast is dedicated to deconstructing the stories we've been told about who we are and how we're supposed to be. I'm your host, Kara Houck. I met Jenny at her house when we first moved to California. She invited our family and another family over to dinner at their house as we were new to town. I was very shy and nervous around her. I actually didn't know if she took to me or not. Over time, we found ourselves in more places together. As I observed her more, I realized that this person was very warm and caring. Then I learned how absolutely brilliant and hilarious she is. Jenny became a person who I can be my complete self with. I can tell her things, then she holds them with care. She is someone I want to be around. She ended up hiring me to teach her children sexual health. Our relationship since that moment, I would like to say, established roots. Jenny has become one of my biggest supports in this journey of being a sexual health educator. And now, Jenny is my business partner. (laughs) I couldn't be more thrilled and humbled to have this woman by my side. I am being honest when I say she makes me a better person. So Jenny Moeller, thank you for being here today. Thank you. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) We're business partners. How does that feel? It's good. (laughs) Ah, Right? What, What is it, Jenny, that made you interested in becoming a partner with me in this adventure of reframing our stories? Well, I think it really was after you had the classes with my kids and you did the sessions for my son and then my daughter. And what I got from that was it really changed how Scott and I, my husband and I spoke with our kids. It changed our, our conversations overall. Mm -hmm. And that really had a big impact on, on, me as a parent and what I thought about what you were doing and I wanted to be a part of it. So how did your conversations change? I think for me, I grew up in a family where we really didn't talk about feelings and about things happening and there was a lot of privacy and not a lot of open conversation. So it changed how I spoke with them. I was able to feel more open and felt more comfortable, felt less like I was going to make a mistake. I didn't feel like I had a good model from my growing up on how to openly talk with my kids. Yeah. And so after those classes, I felt more comfortable. I, we used to watch movies when they were younger. And if there was for example, a naked person, I would freak out and jump up in front of the TV and and be like, ah, because I didn't know if it was appropriate for them to see that yet based on how old they were and what they knew, what they didn't know, what we hadn't talked about, what we had talked about. So you're the one who jumped in front of the TV? I did. You did in front of your parents? No, no, with my kids. Oh, you did? did. Really? And how did they respond? Well, they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm stretching. <laughs> my my mom actually really liked the Police Academy movies. I don't know if you remember those. How do I not remember those? They're and she thought, 
they were hilarious. And I remember watching them with my mom and she had the entire DVD collection. Mm. And so after they had passed, I brought that DVD collection to the house. And when they were probably about eight, I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to show them the Police Academy collection because I was probably that age when I watched it with my mom or started watching it with my mom on video rentals. And I put the first one in and almost immediately there was nakedness. And I was like, ah, what's happening? I don't remember this at all. And I jumped in front of the TV and we never finished watching the movie. Well, maybe now you can. <laughs> I'm sure we could actually. Yeah. And I just want to say that I feel there's like so many things back in the day of the 80s and 90s that I've watched with my parents that I put on in front of my kids, like the other day, you know, on Netflix or whatever, we're just like Doogie Hauser MD. Yes. And we put it on. And I'm going to tell you that like within the first episode, there was a lot of, I felt sex sexually suggestive conversations and large amounts of sexism. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm actually not going to have you guys watch this <laughs> because I'm not liking the conversations that are happening. But I find it funny that, you know, that's what we grew up with, right? I right. mean, I feel like we were exposed to maybe more, but wasn't talked about it. Because I also remember watching all the Naked Gun movies. Okay. Remember those? I know we rented them. And honestly, I don't remember them. And they, they didn't have the same kind of impact as the Police Academy movies, because my mom would just watch those. And after she bought them, would watch them repeatedly and just be <laughs> laughing, you know, by herself even and watching them. But I think you're right. That kind of nudity and conversation was in a lot of those movies, but we didn't talk about it at home. And so I think it's almost like I, I blocked it out or don't remember those aspects of those movies at all. Yeah. Well, and I don't think we even recognize the blatant, like, there's a lot of, and especially I want to say, towards women, like obviously a lot of like boobs flashing across the screen, <laughs> you know, like right. all of a sudden there's just boobs and you're like, oh, <laughs> boobs and things like that. And, but in some of those movies were just so sexist in some of their remarks. They were. That they, they said. They totally were. Yeah. I remember a particular event in my life when I was like eight, I think I was 18, when I went and saw American Beauty with my father. And I, per I really enjoy that movie. I love that movie because it's very philosophical. But I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I remember sitting with my dad in theater and I was like, hey, so I was told that there's a really awkward scene. Meanwhile, the movie starts. <laughs> and I was like, so I, we should prepare ourselves for an awkward scene. And like then on like immediately it shows Kevin Spacey masturbating. And I was like, and there it is. <laughs> Awesome. Hi, Dad. <laughs> like, it was so weird. <laughs> it just was not, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> we didn't talk about it afterwards. There was a lot of nudity in that movie and a lot of suggestive things that my father and I never talked about afterwards. Just, you know, pretend right. it didn't happen. So do, you, do you feel like your kids have changed and able to talk with and talking with you or the way you approach them? They have, they're very open. We have very open conversations. And I have a boy and a girl, right? So mm -hmm. 
there are different things happening to them through puberty and they they talk very openly in front of each other and i think it's great yeah yes so how i mean you had talked a little bit about how you felt like you experienced a lot of privacy within your own home did you have like other experiences growing up where you had any conversations or like what was your sex ed experience like for you growing up I don't think I really had sex ed growing up. (laughs) (laughs) I had the regular elementary school class. Our gym teacher took all the boys out. Our teacher took the girls. There were only nine girls in my elementary school class out of 32. I don't remember the conversation. All I remember is that she talked about periods. She told us if it happened at school that she had pads. She showed us that she had them in her closet, but she didn't really, to my recollection, explain them or, Mm. you know, how we would use them. But she said she would give us one and send us to the nurse, right? And I knew periods were about bleeding, but it just all sounded very medical, right? I'll give you this thing and then you're going to go to the school nurse. Right. Then when I started my period, this would have been in junior high, my sister, my older sister gave me a pamphlet that her mom had given, our mom had given her. And it was called What Every Teenager Ought to Know. And it was one of those pamphlets that you send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Dear Abby, which my mom read (laughs) every day. (laughs) And you put a couple dollars in the envelope for Dear Abby and she sends you back this pamphlet. And that's kind of sweet. (laughs) That talked about menstruation and what sex was and puberty and dating and it kind of had all the things that maybe uh, another family would have actually had a conversation about but yeah my sister just gave me the pamphlet I remember reading it in the descriptions of sex for example intercourse I was trying to understand what they were talking about and what all these body parts were and there were line drawings in them organs and I I just was so confused (laughs) (laughs) isn't that lovely I feel like back in the day people just were I mean why do we have to try to figure this out on our on our own you know like it was just like one of those I feel it's like you know those mystery pens that you get (laughs) it's like fill in the blanks and you have to try to decide what the message is and stuff with yeah, those pen- it, it really I feel was. like that was sex education. <laughs> like, here's a limited amount of material. Right. Figure it out. <laughs> Figure out right. what this is trying to say. I think I just made assumptions, or if I didn't get it, I was just like, oh, well, I've thought, I've thought about this and what they're describing, and I can't figure out how this actually works. So whatever, you know, move on. It's so sad. How do you think as a parent to teenagers now, What do you think is the biggest need for them around relationships at this current moment? I think being able to be comfortable and respond to uncomfortable conversations in a way that's supportive. And this is even beyond talking about relationships and sex, but even disagreements or politics or anything. I think being able to respond in a way that supports who they are as people and being able to have a conversation is something that is sorely needed. Yeah. Have you experienced 
With your own kids, like, do you feel they're even comfortable approaching some of the hard conversations or how are you able to manage that or approach it? They are. I think they have their own views in terms of, you know, relationships or, or sex or politics. And for example, if we're watching a TV show or something, we've been watching a lot of Netflix. Mm. A lot of Netflix right now, and some of them are dramas, so they'll have relationships and people making mistakes, and they'll talk about their opinions on what these people are doing. Mm. So we'll have conversations about those that I think they're able to express their view on it and what they would do in those circumstances, and then Scott and I talk about, well, maybe this is the circumstance that they're experiencing and what might be happening to cause them to do something like that. So it's, it's been good. I think those types of conversations, especially being at home right now, yeah, we've been able to have. I feel like you're doing A-plus parenting right now. That's like everything I tell in my workshops. It'd be like, whenever you see anything, make it into a sexual health conversation. So you're taking these moments on Netflix and turning it into, how do these people feel? So you're talking about empathy and you're talking about, you know, looking at all sides of the story and how are people feeling? And that's like, excellent, Jenny. <laughs> that's really good parenting. And don't you think that's what was missing from when, Oh yeah. you know, when I was younger and watching these police Academy videos with my mom, I never asked her, why are they treating her like that? Or why is she wearing that? Or why is he doing that? I mean, it was, there was never any conversation. It was just, me staring at my mom hysterically laughing and enjoying that mm-hmm. but not having any kind of conversation about the movie or what actually was happening yeah for sure i mean yeah. i i mean it's also like we're blindly what's the word i'm thinking absorbing all of these images you know and i think that helps kind of dictate the way we thought relationships should even happen or you know, or process. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like there's so, when I go back and look at the movies and I kind of just already said this, but some of those movies just treated people so terribly, or it was like, or you just had this dramatic romance that was so unrealistic. And so you're like, oh, so this is how everything is. And And how it should be. And I should be, and it's okay if someone talks to me like this, <laughs> right? Because right. no one's telling me otherwise. And so this is how life is. I truly believe. I'd agree. Yeah. Have you, did you ever watch some of the 90s movies where that was like the college movies and the teenage movies? For example. With, for example, like all the college, like what's the one? Oh, this is going to kill me. It's the guy, it's uh, the Vanderbeek guys in it. Oh. Rules of, oh, what, of a endearment. Is that what it is? No, I'm going to have to look it up. But there's so much of the rape culture throughout all of those movies. Of like there, there's actually a part in one of these, one of those movies where a girl is unconscious. Oh, yeah. No. They tried to do stuff with her. And I was like, this is literally what we would watch. I remember as like a teenager 
And because they would like glorify them in a way, right? It's in a movie. You're like, I want to be like these people. Yeah. And again, going back to watch them, I was like, no wonder <laughs> we didn't, we thought this stuff was normal. And like, okay, because it was showing us it all the time. I don't think so. I watched too many of those. I'm, I'm older than you, so. <laughs> <laughs> the movies I saw, I think were more depicting the romance, like 16 Candles or The <sighs> Breakfast Club or movies like that, right? Brat, brat Pack type movies. So those were the best. For those, they all had a idealized picture I think of relationships and romance and didn't really get too graphic although I could I guess I could go back and realize mm -hmm. I just forgot it all or didn't I know I mean it. we should really go back and just we should maybe do like an entire study on it and just write notes about it and be like hey parents here are conversation guides <laughs> based off of our old movies that we loved. That you might show your kids and realize, <laughs> oh, there is a bunch of sexist, or, you know, racist, <laughs> naked people doing things they shouldn't be doing in these things. That's the truth. So, Jenny, we are called reframing our stories, right? Because we believe that as adults, we've had to reframe many of the stories that we've been told, right? Like as we're kind of talking about with these movies, like, oh, so those things shouldn't really <laughs> be normalized. What story for you in your life do you have to keep reframing? I know there's many, but like what's one that kind of comes to your head a lot? For me personally? Yeah. Oh, I guess... I think maybe how, again, how I was raised and what I was taught and what I take into parenting, and this has more and more become something I've been thinking about as my kids have gone into puberty and are now teenagers, mm -hmm. just this idea of how I was raised and communicated with and taught even though that's all I know from that experience it's not necessarily what I have to teach in the same way mm. and have my kids be raised the way I was yeah so that's something that I think about a lot I think about what upsets me as a parent for example if my kids are behaving a certain way and a lot of what I've done is thought about, is this really upsetting me or would this have upset my parents? Oh. And is there a difference? And there often is a difference. And what I realize is if I get mad about something or if I'm disciplining them about something, a lot of times it was because my dad would have gotten mad at me for those things. Hmm. And I think when I realize that and would ask myself that question in the moment, I usually handled whatever conversation or whatever discipline or whatever behavior differently. And since I've done that, I think it's been a little more peaceful uh -oh. <laughs> in our house. <laughs> so have you had to like sit back and reflect a little bit more before you're disciplining? 
Oh, absolutely. Right. And yeah. I think where it first started for me in thinking about this was when my kids were really young, I got upset about something one of them was doing. And it was related to something unsafe, right? So maybe a behavior that I perceived as dangerous. And my sister heard me, my older sister, and she said, whoa, our dad just came out of your mouth. And I, I looked at her and I thought, what? I'm nothing like him. That's impossible. Mm. Because my perception of my dad was that he was a strict disciplinarian and yelled a lot and didn't understand me and was impatient. So to be told by my sister that she had a flashback of our dad when I yelled about something, it really shook me up and made me think about, you know, what am I really wanting for my kids and what am I really upset about versus things that maybe I was disciplined for that I thought was over the top, right? But here I was going into this next generation doing the exact same thing. Mm. I think that's one of the hardest things is when, because there's a part of us who, you know, sometimes obviously our parents do some wonderful things, but there's also those moments where we're trying everything we can to not be like them. I think that's in some circumstances a reality for people. And so when we do hear those tones come out of our mouths, we're like, what (laughs) am I becoming a parent and or becoming like my parent? And I say to people, when I became a parent, that the one thing I learned is that you can never know the kind of parent you're going to become until you are a parent. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. I had, I always thought I would be a very fun and entertaining parent. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Have great conversations and discipline my children really well and in a way that made sense to everybody and and that I really did. I, I was turning into my dad. And and really if you think about, you know, with our kids, we have we have twins and they were in the NICU for a week when they were born and they were tiny. And mm. we watched nurses care for them. We got help from nurses and lessons from these nurses over that entire week. And I remember we were getting in the car when they got discharged and we looked at each other and said, this shouldn't be allowed. Right. <laughs> Letting us take two humans back to our house. Yeah. To raise. This is, this is unadvisable. I know. <laughs> the whole system is messed up. <laughs> the whole system. We are not qualified at all, have had no practice. Mm-hmm. And the only lessons we've gotten it's from our parents, which oh to your gosh. point, in some ways did a great job. And in some ways, yes. did some things that, you know, require reflection. <laughs> I wrote an entire essay about how shocked I was that mothering was not like raising Cabbage Patch Kid dolls. <laughs> okay. So I had five of them and I really spent my days <laughs> caring for those little dolls and I would take them places. I would sit in my minivan and I would buckle them up next to me and bring them with me because becoming a mom, I thought was 
just everything I wanted. And I was just shocked that emotions came in. <laughs> I was like, what are these emotions? And why, why were you birthed with my child? <laughs> it just how, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, there's so many things that's so hard about parenting. I mean, there's so many lovely joys that comes along with it, but I think we also learn the many dimensions that we have as humans that we weren't quite aware of that kind of complicate things a bit more. Right. And I think there's stories that I heard, right, about being a mother, like I would read these books when I was pregnant that said, when you look into the eyes of your child for the first time, you'll have a connection and realize what unconditional and true love is. That's a paraphrase, but something like that. And I remember so many nights looking into their eyes and looking for that and wondering, you know, is something wrong with me? Everything I've read said I would feel this connection. And instead, you know, not sure what I'm doing, questioning everything, worried about everything, so, so tired. Terrified. I was terrified. Terrified, right. And Mm -hmm. not, not having space to really even know what that was, I think. Yeah. And to be reading that that's what would happen. And it's, it sounded when I read it, like, once that happens, everything will fall into place and you'll know exactly what to do. Yeah. I, right? I just want to say that some of the birth classes, I want to reframe birth classes because some of them are wonderful, but all the ones I went to <laughs> were set up this picturesque experience, right? look like a storybook, like you kind of just said. Right. And it just made me so angry after having the kids where I'm like, (laughs) I would much rather go into a place and be like, here's a number of scenarios that could happen. (laughs) Right. Right. First of all, let's be real. Labor takes its own course. Whatever you have planned out, you just let labor win and you figure it out as you go. Like, let's just go with that. Um, here's some coping mechanisms for different scenarios, right? Right. right. Let's not, and like the whole, let's hold ice in your hand and breathe through the ice melting in your hand. They made me put ice in my hand and have it melt. And I had to breathe through the pain. Okay. Which maybe, but I'm like, "Mm, the caliber of pain, (laughs) very different. Of ice melting. (laughs) Very different. But also the whole, the baby will come out, it will find your breast, and it will start to suckle. No, no, that didn't And it's the most magical experience. Right, right. And I'm like, nope, that didn't happen either. I mean, again, for some, yes, that happens. But let's also say, if you've ever had trauma with your breasts, you might experience (laughs) re-traumaing, re-trauma triggers from breastfeeding and maybe your child won't be able to latch and right. maybe that's what like, happened with us right like mm-hmm. these are the things we need to know going in right. <laughs> right 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 and then I feel like a week before due dates they should set up parenting pods in places where parents just get to take naps and watch movies <laughs> don't you think so it's like, welcome. <laughs> your, your life is going to change dramatically 
in a few days. Here so take a nap here while you can. <laughs> take a nap. Rest well. Here's some showers. Take as many as you want. Because <laughs> you won't get any for a while. <laughs> take a 45-minute take a shower if you want. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Here's some really good food. Right? Eat as good as you can. Right. That would have been cool. Here's I had pedicure. a month early. Oh. And I didn't finish our class because I went on to bed rest. And then, mm. so I would have had to go to that pod two months ahead of time to really appreciate. Yeah. Well, maybe that's like a, just something with twins where they're like, you're going to have twins. So we're going to up your pod experience. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a month and a half too. Right? Yeah, that would have been great. This should be a new thing. This should it just should. set the standard because how much we would be better parents for goodness sakes. And then you could kind of watch maybe different things on parenting and then have those important conversations of, well, how are you going to discipline together? What are your ideas around that? Oh, that'd be, that would have been good. Right. Yeah. Cause we right. all have different understandings of what that means. Right. We did have a conversation about discipline because my dad used to pinch me if I was bad. He would hold up his fingers, his thumb and his pointer together and just look at me. Oh, and after a while, I knew if I didn't get in line, I was going to get this tiny little pinch. And if I was really bad, it was a pinch and a twist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I remember having this conversation with Scott and he said, well, I said, I, I wasn't, I was spanked, but I don't really want to do that. And we agreed spanking was not, not a thing. I said, but what about the pinch? May I do the pinch? And he said, You're like, I found it rather effective. <laughs> I said, that was effective. I said, he wasn't even actually pinching me after a while. He would just hold his fingers up and I would know. And it was enough. And he said, no, I'm not going to do, we're not going to do the pinch. And I said, oh, all right. And we never did the pinch. <laughs> I love how he was like, this is not standard. <laughs> this is not appropriate. It's not a thing. We're not doing that. <laughs> no pinching allowed. <laughs> so now that we're business partners, what are your hopes, which comes with a lot of responsibility for you on my right? <laughs> Helping me with my craziness. <laughs> but what are your hopes for this company and how we can help in reframing stories for people? Like what do you what are you hopeful for and what we can do for others? I think on, on the most basic level, I'm hoping that the experience we've had with really changing how we look at how we talk with our kids, how we're raising them, mm -hmm. what kind of openness we have when we're talking is something that everyone who works with us or reads things that we do or materials that are out there can experience also, right? I think that it could change things for, for those families and people and parents and communities. That's what I'm hoping. Kind of to sum it up on a on a on the most basic level. I think some of the things that I've seen that really have bothered me, you know, on Netflix we've been binge watching a lot of different programs, but one of the things I watched was um, about 
Epstein. And then I watched another one about Larry Nasser, the U.S. gym team doctor. Yeah. And they talk with these, these girls and they say, you know, why didn't you, why didn't somebody say something? And this response is always, I didn't know that I could. Mm-hmm. 100%. I didn't know that I could. And that response, you know, is, is upsetting. I think that if we do what we want to do with this company, Kara, that situations that happen, that have happened in our society with sexual abuse and not having openness and this feeling of confusion or shame that these kids have had. And this is, you know, it's happened to boys and girls and all different ages, underage, to yeah. not have 150 people coming out after the fact years later and saying, yeah, that happened to me too, right? I mean, for that kind of situation to not happen, because people know, and we talk differently, and we have different conversations and understanding about our bodies and what's allowed and what's okay, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be great. Well, and I think there's a whole part of us that have been taught to be even afraid of our bodies, you know, because of this silencing and everything. And I just get just frustrated at the fact that why are we continuing the story so often? Because it still is happening today, right? Of being so afraid of of our bodies to not learn about them and to not advocate for them. And it's really a sense of continuing dominance. Like we live in a culture that's really run by dominance and it's affected our sexuality and our partnerships. And so then that narrative is something that's really hard to break. And that is what I hope we do is that we break that narrative. And it it even is going to take practice you know, like even for us, because we grew up thinking that, you know, like I remember talking and we posted about it, but I talked with a friend of mine in college a long time ago, once I was taking sexual health classes and I was like, did you know we could say no? (laughs) And she said, no. Right. And I hear so many people say those words. And when I decided to really study sexual health, it was because a friend of mine was like, Kara, what makes you very angry? And what makes me very angry is the fact that our most personal parts of ourselves are violated day by day by day by day. And then we are made to feel responsible for that. And I think, and then live with that shame and those feelings daily that takes many years to overcome. And I just think that's not okay. And so that is what makes me angry. And that was one of the decisions, one of the reasons that I decided, all right, (laughs) I'm going to school to study sex (laughs) and study sexual relationships uh, and sexuality because it's just, it's not okay. It's not, it's really not. And I agree. It's these, it's these 
responses or an inability to respond to dominance or, or power, right? If you look at the power of money or the power of this person being a doctor or yeah. like the priests, right? With the Catholic church, these are people in positions of authority and power and these people who've been abused just don't have, they don't have the language to respond to it. A lot of the girls that they interviewed in like the Larry Nassar one said, I was just confused. Yeah. They just were confused by what was happening and didn't know how to respond to it. Didn't know that they could and didn't have words to respond to it. And I think that this language needs to be discussed and provided and more open to people to use. Mm -hmm. I just recently had a conversation with my kids because I was struggling with, as a parent, with discipline when now that my kids are at an age where they're seeking autonomy and stuff and they keep saying no to everything I'm asking of them to do. And I find it completely frustrating. But then I think to myself, all right, how do I honor the no, but also teach them about respect of authority, right? And so then I, I kept thinking, as a sex educator, how do I allow their voice to be heard, but to also understand the sense of respect, right? And so then I had this conversation of, there's people of authority, the way our world works is that there is authority. So there's the parent-child relationship. And our job is to teach you what is appropriate, what's not appropriate, and to help you become the best person you can be, and to keep you safe and to love you. That's our job, right? And then I said, there's this teacher and student relationship where the teacher has authority and they too have to teach you about knowledge and different things. And I talked about doctors and all these different people. And I said, however, when the person in authority is trying to ask you to do something that's not good for your, to your emotional health, or your body, and that can hurt you, then that authority figure is wrong. And that they then use their power in the wrong way. And you get to not listen to that authority figure. Because I was like, how do you acknowledge those things, right? Because there are doctors who can mistreat people as we learned. And there's other authority figures who then use that authority to manipulate. And so I was trying in my best way <laughs> to figure out those words of which to tell them, if you feel you are not safe with your body or within your mind with this person, then you do everything you can to keep yourself safe. And you tell me or another person who you trust. I think that's a good distinction, right? Because it is challenging. It's challenging even with my kids, right? We'll be talking and even as something as simple as, can I have a bite of that? And they'll say no. And I'll say, just a small bite. 
<laughs> just a little taking, taste. Since taking your class, Kara, they say, mommy, no means no. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I back off because I think, you know, they're right. They've said no. It's yeah. not, it's not for me to <laughs> force this. And even in those small examples, I think, you know, asking ourselves those questions of, am I asking for something? that fits within that frame of a parent? Or am I abusing my power as a parent to say, right. well, I paid for it, so I'm taking a bite. <laughs> so give me that bite. Right. I help make these things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So we're learning, and we hope that we are changing things. Are there, how did your kids respond to the teaching sessions? Did you guys talk about that afterwards? Because it is a little strange, right? To Maybe they felt strange to have a person come into their house and, you're, and they knew who I was. And you're like, Kara's going to teach you about your body and relationships. How did they respond to that when you first said that? And then what did they feel like afterwards? Well, when we first said this was happening, both of them were like, oh, <laughs> No. <laughs> and I think part of it comes to topics that we feel are private, right? So yeah. having someone else come in, someone else you know come in mm-hmm. and talk about these things. And we had talked about sex. We talked about body parts. We talked about people shouldn't touch you, you know, in these places when they were younger and those types of things. But we, we said we'd like you to have this information. There are things happening in our culture like social media and the internet that didn't exist until we were, you know, well into high school and college. So if there's information that we are not aware of and we don't feel equipped to give this to you, we'd like that to be part of the conversation that you have because we want you to be aware of these things and not hear about it somewhere else. Or if you do hear about it, know enough about it to understand, is this person correct? Is this the facts of this or is this not? And to have information to be able to make those assessments on your own. Mm -hmm. And so they understood that and went through the classes. And part of what we did was with the table topics that you had, we had the meal at the end and you met with the parents and Mm -hmm. we had a conversation about it. I think even that uh, helped us understand the kinds of topics being brought up in terms of questions and things they were wondering about and gave us kind of the ability and permission to continue having those conversations after. Yeah. And so, you know, our kids understand and know that those classes did change how we talk. And we've made comments about them after somebody speaks openly about their period or things that are happening. And we'll say, wow, that really made a difference. <laughs> Just take that and be able to talk about that without even blinking, you know, or my, my, da- my, my daughter saying, I need pads, right? Or to, mm-hmm tell my husband when he's going to the store, I need more pads. And so 
I think being able to even have that kind of openness mm-hmm. you know, within our family has, has just really changed things for the better. That's awesome. Well, I just want to say, Jenny, that I feel honored and humbled that you wanted to join me in this uh, quest to help people have better relationships and conversations around sexual health. And I'm just so grateful that you're my partner now and that you're my friend. So and thank I you. Too. Thank <laughs> you. I think this is exciting and the opportunity we have to, to make these conversations happen in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully change things for people. Yes. It's, it's an exciting prospect and I'm happy about it and happy to be your friend also. <laughs> Love everywhere. (laughs) Well, I also hope we can help. The other thing is I just want to that adults can start reframing, you know, so many of the stories that we've had, you know, growing up. I just remember sitting in class when I was 32, learning about all of this. And I, and I just thought to myself, wow, (laughs) we, I feel like the world just does not know enough around sexuality around how it's integrated in so much of our lives and how it affects so much of our lives. And I want people to know that within this podcast, there's going to be lots of conversations where people are going to be like, how is this related to sexuality? Like, why are we talking about, you know, a person dying or why are we talking about race and there's so much of that intersects in our lives, but that it totally affects how we are sexually and how we enter into relationships with one another. And so, and we can learn through story, right? Through other people. And so that's what I know that you and I have talked about that we really want to make accessible for others. Yes. So we're in it together. We are. <laughs> awesome. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> well, thank you, Jenny. Thank you.